episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm Kevin Vondereau, Chief Planning Officer at Westfield Bank, and your host. Today we're discussing the importance of marketing and how you can make the most of your budget to gain the attention your business deserves. Please join us for this episode. Welcome to another episode of Sharing Knowledge. My name is Kevin Vondro, host, and today we're going to be talking about marketing and the benefits it provides businesses. We have two great guests with us here today. First, we have Mark Preby from Proximity Marketing. Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do at, at Proximity? Oh, thanks for having me, Kevin. Uh, I'm Mark Preby with Proximity Marketing. We are a digital marketing firm based in Brunswick, Ohio. We're a 27-year-old firm, and we really specialize in helping companies grow via the internet through lead generation. Good, thanks for joining us. We have Hallie Coolshots with Shark and Minnow. And Hallie, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and, and what your firm does? Absolutely. So my name is Hallie Kogelschatz. I'm the CEO at Shark and Minnow. We are a strategy and design consultancy based in Cleveland, Ohio. And we're just excited to be with you here today. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you both for joining us. So today we're, we're talking about marketing, but I think a lot of times there's confusion on the difference between sales and, and, and marketing and how they interwine. So I don't know, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about the difference between sales and marketing? Sure. Well, my, my interpretation of how I see, because you can debate this topic a little bit, they, the integration seems to get tighter and tighter as the years go by. But really, fundamentally, marketing is about building awareness and helping people to gain interest in a particular product or service or company. Uh, and when it's aligned with sales, it helps to support sales. And on the sales end, that, that role is really to bring the customer in, convert them, and start building relationships. Hallie, would you like to add anything to that? Absolutely. Well, I think what's really interesting about the marriage between sales and marketing is up until a few years ago, I think a lot of clients thought about it as completely disparate. And I'm sure you would agree, Mark, sure. you know, over the last really decade, we've seen, particularly in sectors like B2B, there are a lot of clients that have realized that, you know, you don't have one hand without the other. And you sort of have to fuel both through what's happening on your sales side and what's happening on the marketing side of things, utilizing tools like CRM um, and just you know getting a lot more in sync as right. far as how you're going to market in the field. I mean, they work best when they're aligned, obviously, Absolutely. and it, it's interesting to have those conversations about how that happens. Yeah, is there is there any secret or, or, or way to, to keep sales and marketing aligned? I don't in, in your experience, Hallie. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, one thing that's happened over the last decade is just taking a look at automation tools, self-service tools, you know, where you can really get the most out of your people by optimizing the process. And so whether you're talking about CRM or, you know, utilizing, you know, different strategies to employ technology so that it doesn't replace, but it augments what's happening with the person-to-person -person interaction, I think that that's one way that you can really be thinking about getting the most out of your people and your tools. Mark, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I, I think sales and marketing have to be at the table together. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing to me how many times we uncover that there's a sales strategy that's not at all aligned with marketing. And sales has no idea that marketing is running programs or campaigns or has a built out strategy. So I think uh, being in the room together, having those conversations about really what is a priority from a sales standpoint and how does marketing really support that uh, is, is critical. And I, I view it as, a, as sales, marketing is really meant to be a sales support tool. So if you're doing the things 
uh, with brand awareness and, and creating interest, to a large degree, you're making the sales team's life a little bit easier, right? You're shortening that sales cycle, you're educating the customer, you're making a sales team maybe uh, more productive with their time. Um, and that all happens with, with good planning on, on both parts. Yeah. And Hallie, you mentioned automation in, in a CRM system. I mean, how important is that to, for a business to, to invest in that? Well, I think the reason that it's important now, you know, vis-a-vis -vis what's happening post, you know, I don't want to say post-pandemic, but obviously we had the initial phase of the pandemic, okay. and now we find ourselves in sort of, let's call it the sustaining or this kind of maintenance mode with the pandemic. Um, and I think that we're hearing lots about, you know, sales forces not being able to hire the right people or the number of people that they need to hire. So that's where tools can be really helpful. And with a CRM, what, you know, a lot of our clients like about that is it just creates more transparency in the process. So especially for your management team, they can take a look at what leads are in the pipeline, you know, how they're moving through the pipeline, where marketing can really help to like drive some of those leads that have not quite gone cold, but may have stalled a little bit. So I think that it's, it's just a good tool to get everybody, as Mark says, on the same page. Um, but the truth of the matter is so many of our clients, particularly in the B2B space, say that they're in a people business, right? right, right. So, you know, if it's a people business, you know, nothing's going to replace that one-to-one -one interaction. But how do you make sure that those one-to-one -one interactions are happening at the right intervals, at the right moments in the process, and they're being supported by the right tools? So that's where, you know, tools can be helpful, but they're never going to replace what happens, you know, that magic in the room when you're in front of a client. Right. Anything you want to add on that around CRM, Mark? Well, it's A, it's amazing to me how many companies do not have CRM systems. When you drill down, you know, they'll admit that they have Excel spreadsheets. That's what I was going to say, you mean an Excel spreadsheet? Yeah. The <laughs> CRM system? Back of the napkin, right? Yeah, the back of the napkin. And, and really, for some companies, that may work depending on their, their size. We work with a lot of medium-sized organizations, and it, it's not surprising to uncover that. Uh, the other challenge, though, is CRMs can be terrific if, if they're used, right? A lot of yeah. people, uh, it's almost like a gym membership. They buy it, they have it, and you get to what they're doing with it, and the answer is nothing. So, right, maximizing opportunities with the CRM system comes from implementing and using it. So I think from a management standpoint, that's a that's a to-do if you're, if you're using a good system. I would add that there are a lot of managers that think that they're going to employ a tool like that that's going to solve all their problems. Right. And the reality is that you have to have a strategy for how you're using that technology. And if what you're doing with it um, you know, ultimately you know, is going to be very robust, you're going to have to dip your toe in the water first. You can't just flip a switch and have your workforce, particularly when we talk about you know, legacy-based businesses, businesses that are not um, as close to technology sectors. If you're talking about logistics or you're talking about manufacturing or um, agricultural-based businesses, you know, these are businesses where you know, the majority of your workforce might not be used to touching technology. So you kind of have to ease them in, really focus on training and getting everyone comfortable so that sales and marketing really can work hand in hand. Mark, anything you want to add on that? Well, I think that part of the the carrot to be waved, I guess, in front of a sales team is what's the benefit? What can they get out of it? So I, I, I can only conclude sometimes that salespeople think that marketing is going to displace them. Mm -hmm. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Mar marketing is really, as I said, meant to help them. So if you can help them see how an additional piece of content or another touch point really moves that customer down the sales funnel a little bit, that that's the win. So if they can see that and embrace it, uh, otherwise it, it's an uphill battle. Absolutely. It's funny. Um, it, 
and you mentioned how to move that customer down the, the, the sales funnel. A lot of times when, when business owners think of marketing, um, they think of it not so much broad, but maybe more siloed. Like it's more about brand awareness. It's, it's, it's generating t-shirts or tchotchkes to give away. But really, I mean, what are the benefits for that marketing provides businesses? Mark, we'll start with you. So I think sales really is supported by marketing and marketing's primary role is amplification of a company's message, right? So how do we have these great salespeople out there take what their message is and then clone that and spread that out to the right audiences. And for me, if an if a organization can see that it is not just sales, it's not just marketing, but really I saw you at a trade show, I uh, received your email, I Googled you and your company came up, I was sent uh, a case study via mail, I met somebody at a networking event, that these things go hand in hand and you move them down uh, towards a conversion by really building relationships. I think at the end of the day, a salesperson's job is to convert. Much of that is, as you said, with old school type technology or way approach uh, to business, those relationships. And if we can help get people more familiar with the company, all the better. Kelly, you add anything on top sure. of that? Sure. Um, so I think that, you know, the benefit of marketing really depends on where you're at in the life cycle of your business. So, you know, as Marcus said, you know, sometimes you're really focused on that awareness. And other times, you know, we work with a lot of businesses that might be more mature and they may be looking to really take a look at, you know, where do they have the ability to level up? Where do they have the ability to maybe run a conquest campaign, you know, pulling in customers from elsewhere and, and winning, you know, in that next chapter? How do you get divergent? with you know what the company is today but what you want to be in the future and that's you know a place where communicating that value proposition really being you know purposeful about where you're placing your messaging becomes really important um, because you know as you get more mature as an organization your customers tend to think about you in a certain way and there is brand loyalty but sometimes they're interested in maybe seeing what's new and out there in the marketplace so it's important to keep reinforcing why you're the right um, you know business for them to kind of stick with um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity depending on what your goals and objectives are, but marketing is just a, you know, put simply, a way to really communicate consistently and clearly, you know, what you're about as an organization. Yeah, that's great. Now, a, a lot of companies in Northeast Ohio, or at least that we deal with, and I imagine you deal with, don't have their own marketing department, right? They they don't have enough bandwidth for that. But what is the importance of of a company dealing with a third party agency? What are, what are the benefits? So at Shark and Minnow, we talk a lot about what we describe as creative friction. You know, sometimes what happens, and I've worked client side, I've worked agency side, large agencies, small agencies, and now being an agency owner, I can tell you that, you know, it's sometimes, you know, not just um, beneficial, but fun and exciting to work with outside partners that can bring new innovation to the table and can challenge the way that, you know, maybe the echo chamber is working internally. And so, you know, looking at, you know, where there's opportunity to really bring value through an outside partner, I think is critically important. Um, you know, we'll hear from clients all the time that say, you know, well, I have a marketing person or I have an internal marketing department, but we're really missing this one critical piece. So just because, you know, you may have internal structures, it doesn't mean that you can't get value in working with an agency. And that also doesn't mean that you can't bring them in for specialty projects, um, you know, something that will kind of augment what's happening internally. But oftentimes, you know, they will be coming to the table with new ideas that perhaps you haven't considered or able to help you with, you know, critical deficiencies on the team. So I think that that's really valuable and it's a good challenge, you know, to try it into methods just to see, you know, how you might think about things differently in the future. Mark, what about your thoughts on 
the importance of using a, an, an outside agency? It's, it's fun to talk about this topic because there's so many yeah. uh, interesting points to it. It's number one, if you're using an outside agency, um, you know, we as an agency, unless we do that work, we're not going to get paid. And it is amazing. Um, you often find that people get tied up internally. They don't push their email newsletter out. They don't take care of their CRM. They're not filling, uh, creating content, et cetera, because they're busy taking care of their, their clients, right? They're busy yeah. taking care of, of work. So it's pretty common, uh, I think. So when you have an outside agency come in, uh, you, to a degree, get the bulletproof your strategy and talk about, when you start talking about why your product or your service is the best in the marketplace or why it appeals to a certain audience, um, the agency can hear that and help with a fresh set of eyes position that message to, to the right audience. I also think it's uh, a challenge for anybody. I, I feel bad to a degree to anybody that is a one or two person uh, marketing department within a company because there are so many facets of, of marketing. We deal primarily in digital marketing and just in that space from the social media platforms to the algorithms with, with search engine optimization, et cetera. It is an ever-changing world. And it's hard for me to conceive that one person can master all of those things. Yeah. So an agency affords you the opportunity to bring in skill sets that perhaps you wouldn't have with internal staff and, and augment when, when you need it. Well, and you know the benefit of a full team for sometimes you know not that different of a cost. You know, this is something that That's we'll right. hear consistently from clients. You know that they're actually saving money by working with an outside agency. You know, sometimes it's thought of as you know uh, extravagant expense to be working with a third party, but when you consider you know the fact that you get all of these different disciplines, you know, for roughly the price of a similar salary, depending on where you set your budget, um, it really can bring great value to an organization. That's a good point. What are, maybe what are some of the key metrics around marketing? Well, it really, you know, as Mark and I spoke about before, it really depends on what stage of your business's life cycle you find yourself in. So early on, you may be looking at benchmark studies that talk about awareness or a net promoter score or things of that nature. As you get into it and you are aligning sales with marketing in a more integrated way, there are going to be, you know, sometimes it's year over year, month over month, or sometimes day over day, you know, benchmarks you're looking at that are really driven by revenue. And certainly on any retail-based businesses that we've worked on in, as a firm, you know, sometimes you're looking at specific campaigns and you may have run that similar campaign last year and you have to kind of benchmark against yourself. How did we do last year and how are we doing now and what are the differences? So I think these are all critical metrics, but the key here is making sure that you as a business owner are setting those metrics together with your agency partners so that everybody is on the same page from day one. I think that there's nothing that can erode a relationship faster than not setting those goals and objectives up front. You know, you don't want to ever be put in a situation as a client where you feel like your expectations aren't getting met. And the agency, trust me, does not want to be put in that position as well. So the more you can get in alignment up front on those goals and objectives and then metricize them over time and optimize campaigns to get there, the better everyone will feel about the way things are going. So what factors should they consider when looking to hire an outside agency? What, you like, what, what things are important to them um, in that process? Absolutely. Well, one thing that I think is critically important is finding an agency that has the right type of experience. That might mean you have a specific tactical channel that you are, you know, you know you need to be in. So for some small business owners, you know, during the pandemic it prompted a, a shift to e-commerce and so they may need a firm that really understands how to take them there. 
For others, it may mean you know, that you understand our segment. In certain verticals, there are different sets of laws, of compliance, regulatory issues. And so having an agency that can jump in and really understand your category means that they'll be able to get you to your goal much faster. I, I would agree with that. It, it really does come down to finding an agency that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. And you know, making that decision to, to in-house outsource, et cetera, does come back to cost, right, and return on investment. Um, but ultimately, I think philosophically, you need to be on the same page. So, you know, how do you go to market? There, for example, there are a lot of things that can be done that maybe the customer may not see on the back end with pay-per-click ads, search optimization, et cetera. There may be other clients that really want to be their voice to be heard, so they want more amplification of their brand. Uh, and their persona. So I think really trying to understand what the goals are and having an agency that is uh, versed in achieving those goals makes a big, big difference. So in, 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 you know, like in, in talking through that, something that comes to mind, agencies can't be everything to all businesses either, right? So are there times where you may need to partner with another, like subcontract out some work out just to help meet those needs and, and how important is it to have those relationships? Of course. So I think that it's really important that you have an understanding of what your agency does and what they do not do. And when there's something that's outside of their general wheelhouse, how will they get it done for you? So one of the things that we pride ourselves on at Shark and Minnow is if there is a category of work that we do not in-house, we have a great network of contractors that we can pull in. But there's a lot of transparency in that process because the idea is that we're making it easy for our clients. And if we have to go out of house for something, we want them to know, but we never want them to feel like they have to manage it. So for example, there was a situation with a client a few years ago where they had a very large and complex website that had a very specific backend database. And it was a certain type of digital development that we felt really needed to be handled in a specific way. So at that point, you know, we made the decision to bring in a contractor. And we were very transparent with the client. And I think that in those situations, that's what you want, is you want to have a relationship with your agency where they're going to always give you the straight story, um, but they're also going to make it easy for you. In that case, you know, our client never had to really interface with the contractor, but we wanted them to know how things were getting done so they had faith in the process. It's an agency's responsibility to tell you what they are not versed in doing. And I think you run the risk of you're worried about share of client and saying, well, boy, if we let them have another agency or somebody else handle our print work, uh, the client's print work, then perhaps we run the risk of losing that client. If that's where you are as an agency client relationship, then you're probably in a tough spot. Um, you probably really haven't laid a solid foundation of working together. And I think if you try to take on too many things and things you're not all that familiar with, you run the risk of it damaging the rest of the relationship and the work that you do that you know, you know well. So for an agency working with a client, I think, has that responsibility, and, but I think it, it, businesses would, would be wise to understand uh, the capabilities who they're working with. And I think to that end, you know, it's important to do your due diligence as a client to be sure that you ask for those references, you talk to other clients of the firm or past clients of the firm, just to understand how do they do business? Have you found them to be transparent? You know, what are their core competencies? You know, this is what we see in their pitch deck, but when we work with them, what can we really come to expect? 
Um, so, you know, yes, I completely agree that, you know, we all hope that agencies are coming to the table and giving you the, the truth, the whole truth and sure. nothing but the truth. Um, but I also think that that's why it's important to, you know, just validate some of that, make sure you feel really comfortable before jumping in. It's a huge investment to work with an agency partner, particularly for small business owners, right? You know, these are not major, you know, large corporations in all cases. And so sometimes this is a huge investment. And you want to make sure that those dollars are going towards a partner that you have trust in, you have faith in, and they're really going to be able to help you achieve that next level. No, that's good. That's a good point. Like these companies don't have unlimited budgets. So, I mean, how do how do firms work with those companies to to help develop those budgets and identify what's important to, to work on? Mark? I, I think some of it comes down to do they have an existing budget? What can they spend? And really, we'll put a plan together around a budget, assuming there's enough there to, to make an impact. But it's for us, we identify key ROI metrics. And you know, ideally, we're working on that. We're generating that, that ROI. And we're fairly transparent in saying, this is working exactly as we expected. This is exceeding expectations. This maybe we need to adjust. In our space, that's something that is easy to do. Um, so we, we can really contain costs and, and produce a tangible result. Um, but some of that does come down to, can a client make the investment to get that return? I think the other piece of that is, you know, I always ask the question in new business pitches, is there a not to exceed number? Yeah. And I think a lot of clients are afraid of answering that question because they think either you're going to take them all the way up to the line and spend every penny, or they think, well, I'm new to this and I don't really know where to set that number. I think that's where an agency relationship can be really valuable because they are there to be that expert for you. If you tell them that there is a not to exceed number, it's incumbent on them to make the recommendation and say, I know that you came into this thinking that you were gonna go down this tactical channel, but really I think we can help you reach your goals a lot more efficiently you know, and within your budget if you go this way. And so I think that that's, you know, um, I, it's about establishing that relationship, that trust up front. Um, and never be afraid to throw out a number because I think agencies should be prepared to tell you what will work within your means. I, I think that's, that's a good point because a lot of times businesses might think they can't afford it or that number may be, need to be six figures for them right. to bring in right. an outside agency. Um, but it can be much smaller. And absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, you don't necessarily need to sign off on everything at once. You know, a lot of times, because we're a strategy and design consultancy, we may engage with a client on one faction of that process to start. You know, so it may be about, let's just get you through that planning phase and then give you some options so that you can make a decision about where you want to go tactically. Um, I think, you know, sort of, when I first got into the business, you know, there was this idea that you had to sell everything at once as an agency. You know, you had to get it all up front. And I think that agencies that are thoughtful about what they do and are really committed to delivering results aren't afraid to not sell everything up front. And so you should really feel that synergy. You should see that they want to make this work for you. And sometimes what that means is let's do this in phases and just figure out, you know, what's going to work best for both parties. Well, I, I agree, an agency should be able to talk about what it should cost, and, um, but we at Proximity have gotten very creative. There's been many times where a client isn't ready to fully commit, and again, you don't need to sell everything at once in terms of your service offering. So we've, we've found ways where perhaps the client is taking on a little bit of responsibility in-house with some resources that they have, and perhaps we ramp up to that, 
or we never get to that situation. Maybe the client, because they know their business well and they really are the thought leader in that space, is comfortable writing content. So we may take that content and amplify it or optimize it. Um, so there are a lot of ways that you, you can achieve those goals. But again, depending on the budget, you have to be creative. So once a budget is established, how do you help them stay on budget? I mean, that's got to be a task sometimes to do that, Allie. I think that it really comes down to how you're communicating with, with your clients. So as an agency, I think it is our responsibility to have meetings at regular intervals, to track against a budget, and as Mark brought up earlier, also to optimize. Because if you're spending money, let's say, in digital marketing, and you're seeing that one platform is performing better than another, you might want to make the recommendation that you shift and maybe weight more heavily in the platform that's outperforming the others. So I think that you know that's that's key is having the right intervals for those check-ins, and then also you know, and I'm sure Mark will agree on this. Sometimes you need to give yourself time to let a campaign run before you really start you know optimizing too much because um, I think that's also you know that's that, that could be a challenge right, right? you know yeah. sometimes clients see the metrics and they're like okay well it's been a month yeah. can we change this up now and sometimes you know these are marketing programs that require a quarter to build or more but at the same time those expectations need to be set and that communication needs to be regular and I think as long as that's happening it gives clients the ability to also make decisions about when they want to shift dollars or how they want to change things up on their ends as well. Mark, anything you want to add about budgets and communication and working with a I'll, I'll agree. Communication is, is key. Yeah. And for us, setting budget is relatively easy because we can put some guideposts in place with the platforms we're using. But it does come down to looking at programs and being able to make adjustments. So you're right. Clients sometimes want to pull the trigger on things that they're tired of seeing. But we have to remind them your prospects out there haven't necessarily seen this message and things have to run their course. But I think um, you have to be comfortable in saying, this is doing really well. Let's shift money from here to here. We don't have to increase the budget, but let's just maximize. If we're getting a great return here and a high conversion rate, uh, let's do more of this and less of that. And you're staying within budget, but you're actually producing a better, better result. The other, um, the other thing I would add to that is just that when you talk about small business owners and aligning marketing with sales, one thing that you could do that might be a helpful exercise is really mapping out your sales process and figuring out which marketing tactics you're using to support each part of the process. And so it allows you to understand where you're actually dedicating budget. And if you see, okay, what my goal is, is I really need to fill the funnel at the top with new leads, mm -hmm. maybe put more money there than at the bottom when you're trying to close. So I think that that's just a critical you know, piece of you know, you know, being honest with yourself as a company about what are my needs, where do I really need to dedicate the dollars, and then getting comfortable with how the budget is being used. Yeah. Marketing is not a, a short-term play, right? I mean, it's something you got to really focus on and be long-term in your vision with it. So with that in mind, how important is it to partner with those companies in, as they're looking to develop their strategies for the next year or multi-years that they work with a marketing firm or team to help put that together? One of the things I like to talk about with clients is something that's overlooked quite a bit when you're looking at ROI and return relative to spend um, is lifetime value of customer. So it is uh, clients and, and agencies do a great job talking about cost per acquisition, cost per conversion, but if you have a client that uh, can tell you that, hey, our customers are with us on an average of five years and they spend 
$25,000 annually with us. Well, the lifetime value is something that in a, a, a company needs to look at and say, is this worth investing in beyond just what we're spending today? So it is a, a long-term play, but you have to have the foresight to be able to measure that over, over the long term. So with that in mind, and, and like with both your companies always helping other businesses with their, their strategies, how do you find time to develop your own and, and, and work on your own companies? I mean, what are some of the, some of the priorities or, or things that you do to, to help make sure you're, you're paying attention to your business? Sure. So one of the things that we've done from day one at Shark and Minnow is make time for curiosity and really encouraging that as a part of our process and a part of our culture. So it's kind of a funny thing that we do, but every month at Shark and Minnow, we have what's called our cool hunting meetings. And every member of the team comes to the table with something that's inspired them over the last month. And sometimes it's related to business and sometimes it's not. But I think, you know, if you encourage every member of your organization to be generating new ideas, you never know where that's going to take you. Um, so, you know, operationalizing um, the things that you want to manifest for your company is really important. Mark, what do you do at Proximity Marketing? Well, one of the things we do is Proximity is actually assigned as a client within the organization. So it, it actually took a long time for us to realize this was now it's a no brainer, but sure. we we, we have a team assigned to manage proximity like we're any other client. So uh, I get to be the client and my team has to uh, strategize with me. And I say have to because sometimes I'm sure they, they cringe. But, um, but they have, we have the opportunity to really look at us like we're a business, any other client that's out there. So what are we doing from our strategy? Um, how is what we're doing working? What do we need to adjust, et cetera? And that really has gone a long way. We build in time. Uh, every month to ensure that um, as an agency we're focused on our business as well and we do similar creative sessions where we can bring new ideas and change things up so it's not always well this was a strategy in place we can be our own guinea pig and try some fun and new and different things. Oh, that's great. So what advice would you give business owners out there as they're looking to form a budget for marketing? Well I think the first step is to really Think about what are your goals and how much is it worth if you're able to realize those goals um, because that's going to help you to just kind of level set you know what is too much you know where are you comfortable I think the other piece of it is really just being honest about revenue and you know how much you can afford to spend on it and from there as I said before I think it's important to use your agency partner to help you determine what's the most effective use of that spend so that you can evaluate it before proceeding okay mark what advice would you give I would say it, it's important for clients to to think about obviously their larger goals, but where are their where are their customers and where are their prospects, and then really I think have a good understanding of what are the marketing uh, tactics out there that would help reach those particular audiences. I think there's there's times when when clients sometimes in our our base where they don't quite understand the nuances of things. Not that they need to be down at the, the street level but really understanding what they're paying for, right? Um, I think internally when, when people are trying to manage uh, marketing on their own, sometimes they confuse activity for results. So they may find they're spending time posting every day to Facebook or LinkedIn or blasting out emails and that's great, but unless you're really getting a result, is that, that's part of your budget, your time is really part. So I think you need to be mindful of 
of time as part of your budget as well and think about can maybe an agency bring in a different perspective and execute that more effectively? That's, that's funny you say activity versus results. And I really think that's where a CRM comes into play, right? Sure. It, it really helps measure those those activities and make sure you are getting results. And, and that's why it's important to uh, to make those type of investments. So one thing that always comes up during our, our, our speaker series or conversations I'm, I'm having with guests is, is a pandemic. And it just seems like, I don't know if that'll ever go away, the conversations, right? Um, but what impact did it have on, on people's marketing spend? There's the old adage of, well, marketing gets cut whenever there's a downturn, yeah. right? So the pandemic, was it really a downturn or just a, a pause? And for us, it was fascinating because when uh, companies could no longer go to trade shows, when, when salespeople could not be in their offices, um, I think there, there was an awakening or a reawakening of digital marketing. And all of a sudden, companies and salespeople said, well, what do we have on our website? What are we doing to reach people? Uh, so we, we actually saw um, an uptick uh, in, in, in our business. Uh, and then our e-commerce clients had a tremendous run. And that's dissipating, settling a little bit. But really, people being home decided, let's buy. Uh, so it was a very different adjustment than what I've seen in, in uh, past downturns over the, the history of proximity. So it was fascinating. At the beginning of it, you know, everyone was sitting there scratching their heads as far as what kind of impact would this have. And I think one thing that was interesting for us was we had a lot of clients that had been very transaction focused prior to the pandemic that used that time to get more strategic. And so the nature of our relationship with them changed where, you know, they may have had some kind of big strategic initiatives that they never had time for, but they knew that they had to make time for if they wanted to really unlock new opportunities for their business, and that was the time. So we started to engage with pre-existing and some new clients on some big strategic initiatives that would force really a pivot in where they went, you know, from that point forward. And now, you know, really two years on, we're seeing them have tremendous results for those that really doubled down and invested in those strategic opportunities. Um, you know, really, you know, rather than being paralyzed by the pandemic, in some ways being energized by the time it gave them to focus on other things. I think there's much more of a shift of the alignment between sales and marketing, and you do see that carrying over. And it is a joy to have sales understand what marketing is doing, and really for marketing to hear from the sales teams, mm -hmm. what are customers saying out there? What's important to them? And you know that you're you're shining that spotlight of marketing on the right areas that are important overall to business goals. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, it, the goal is, is it, we talk about creating awareness, but it's also making the sales side as, as successful as they can be in developing new business um, right. as, as you partner together. Well, one thing that uh, we haven't touched on is is really around your employees. And I know some of the challenges people have is is not only attracting, but retaining good employees. What are, what are some of the things you've seen um, recently at, at your firm, Allie, sir? So one of the things that we saw during the pandemic that worked really well was instituting work from home Fridays. And it was so successful that we decided to make it a permanent part of how we do business. Many of our employees were so successful in a remote environment, but really saw the value of being in person as well. And so we knew that we needed to develop purpose for both work experiences. When it came to more time off, what we saw was 
it didn't really matter where our employees were. If they were working from a vacation house or you know elsewhere, they were still able to plug in during the day. So we actually introduced work vacations where for a week over the summer, many of our employees choose to go on vacation, work during the day, and then you know log off and enjoy the rest of their vacation. And it just gives them a little bit more flexibility in their time, and I think that it works um, really well for our employees that you know they want that flexibility they that they learned to enjoy during the pandemic they didn't want to give up on that and they wanted to see that an organization was willing to support them in that way and so I find that that's something that we get asked about a lot in interviews with new employees you know what do you do to kind of give that flexibility and flexibility has been a part of what we've done from day one at Shark and Minnow but the pandemic kind of unlocked new ways for us to really expand on that no oh great Mark what's your thoughts so work from home has obviously become almost a standard for uh, our industry, and it's just a degree of how, how much will we work from home and, and work remote. Uh, it's interesting, though, the flip side of that is that I've hired people recently who have been working from home for two, three years, and they crave a culture. They crave being around coworkers, and there's a creative spirit there. and. I was a bit old school thinking, well, boy, if we work remote, we're going to lose that, that connectivity. We didn't miss a beat during the pandemic working remotely, but coming back and having that balance, we all talk about work-life balance, et cetera, and it's probably an overused phrase, but being able to have that flexibility to get work done at certain intervals in time that may not fall in line with the nine to five um, works for us. And I think for employees, um, it's not that they want to do less work. They just want to have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. And we champion that at, at proximity. So if there's a doctor's appointment or your child has a play at school that you want to run in for, that is part of our, our culture. And uh, we try to have fun. And so we, in addition to flexibility and, and um, uh, giving people the freedom to set their schedule, we do a lot of things where we have contesting, where our team comes up with lots of great prizes and contesting. And if we hit certain goals, we have a giant spin wheel that we spin and every month we all get to celebrate and whatever that happens to be. So I think taking your work seriously, but not yourselves, um, that's, that's been a good formula for us. One thing I always give my guests the chance to do is talk about what's on their watch list. So this is something that's top of mind. It could be about marketing, it could be about anything that you think is important that you'd like to share with our viewers. So Mark, we'll, we'll start with you. What's on your watch list? I, I think that on one hand, it's probably the thing that we're all looking at is COVID winding down, hopefully, but really supply chain. A big challenge for our clients is when they can't sell product because they don't have product. Yeah. And I have, a, I have a client who had a 3% return rate on their e-commerce site, and now that's up to 12% because they don't have the inventory, so they may take an order and it just can't get filled. And so that's a, that's a real challenge, and it creates a, a crimp really on where you're spending your marketing dollars. Um, I think... For us, there's always been a, a look at the algorithms that change out there. We're on platforms that are always changing. Mm -hmm. So Facebook, you wake up one day and Facebook has decided to change the game and doesn't bother to mention anything to folks. Uh, Google's algorithm obviously is, is something that's perpetually changing. So for us, it's just watching, uh, you know, have interesting things with people. What implication does that have? You know, obviously on things like free speech, but on marketing as well. Those are important tools and platforms for us, so we'll keep an eye on it. 
Allie, what, what about you? What's on your watch list? Well, I think, you know, what Mark said is very true. You know, the tactics, the tools, the platforms, the technology, it will all be perpetually changing. And, you know, as marketers, that's part of our job to stay on top of it for clients so that as it changes, we're able to be consultative and help them through that change. But I think what I'm watching is really more on the strategic side. So as I mentioned, you know, many of the clients we work with um, have been focusing on strategies to really disrupt within their sectors. And what I'm watching is who's going to disrupt the most? You know, what is that disruption mm -hmm. going to look like? Um, and, you know, how are we going to be able together to look for those opportunities to really, you know, pave the way for something unseen? So that's what I'm excited about is looking for, you know, who's going to really step up to the plate and do different things. And, um, you know, I, I love being surprised, so. <laughs> well, good. Well, thank you again both for joining me here today. Thank you. Thank you. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Elise Love, Suzanne Favory, Corinne Wilson, Kartika M. Caffey, the marketing and communications strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, and articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender.